Aren't you glad his promises are yes and amen? Anybody holding on to a few that they would like a yes to, like today would be good? <laughs> oh, I love that uh, Pastor Ronnie lets different ones of us come up. You can stay, Kurt. I'm just going to like stretch this out. No, let's no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Everyone but Kurt can sit down. Um, I love that he gets different voices in the platform because we all come at it from different perspectives. And, and I think it's as unique as what God does. I'm so warped, guys. They're, they're up here and they're singing this wonderful song. And yesterday, man, all I can think of in the back is my grandson. He's on my front porch and he says, Nana, ninjas can do amazing things. And I'm like, really? <laughs> he's like, yes. He says, ninjas can quite chop through anything. And he's acting it all out as he goes, you know. And he's like, it's the fact that if I was a ninja, you would not even know I was healed because you would not be able to see me. <laughs> and I was so with him right up until he says, and Nana, ninjas can run really fast on only one leg. <laughs> and he proceeds to do this. <laughs> and I said, buddy, wouldn't that just be called hopping really fast? And he's like, no, he's running on one leg. <laughs> so today we're going to one on one leg. We're going to look at things from a little different perspective because I believe that that's what God does. So will you all go with me today as we take a little adventure into God's word and look at things from a couple of different perspectives. And um, now, Justin and Kirk, no, I'd like to, Justin and Kirk, <laughs> let's stand and read the word. I just love that we have people who are anxious to get into this thing. All right. This is going to sound like we're starting in the middle of a sentence, and that's because we are. But I hope to explain it to you later. Okay. The things David was saying were picked up and reported to Saul. Saul sent for him. Master, said David, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. Saul answered David, you can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced, and he's been at this fighting business since before you were born. David said, I've been a shepherd tending sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knock it down, and rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wring its neck, and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. And I'll do the same to this Philistine pig who's taunting the troops of God. God, who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear, will deliver me from this Philistine. Saul said, go, and God help you. Then Saul outfitted David as a soldier in armor. He put his bronze helmet on his head and belted his sword on him over the armor. David tried to walk, but he could hardly budge. David told Saul, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to it, and he took it all off. Then David took his shepherd's staff, selected five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in the pocket of his shepherd's pack, and with his sling in his hand, approached Goliath. 
Father, I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for this moment in time. Father, the one where David charged the valley in the moment today, Father, when you are ready to teach your people. So, Father, I pray that we be attentive, Father, that we listen to you, Father, that we glean in this field, Father, the things that you would have to say, not anything else. Father, I'm praying for breakthrough. I believe, Father, that there is deliverance in the house. I believe, Father God, that there is... as There are people who are going to be set free from long-standing giants, Father, today as you set them free, Lord. Pray you'd give us wisdom as we go forward. I pray everything that is of me would be forgotten, Father, fall to the ground. But everything that is of you, Father, let it stand and produce fruit in our lives consistent with righteousness. In Jesus' name, and they all said, amen, amen, amen. I love this. Where we started mid-sentence is, they all heard what David was saying. Well, what David had been saying before that is what kind of what we're going to talk about today. It was interesting to me. If you look at, if you don't know a lot about David and about his history, let me just tell you right now, at this point in time in David's life, he had already been anointed as king. It was like a couple chapters before but that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean it was like two days before. The estimation is that he was between 10 and 15 when he was anointed as king, but that didn't keep his father from sending him back out into the fields to tend the sheep. Do you understand that you might be called to something great, but you might have to spend some time in the fields doing something that you think you might be above until he calls you into that anointing? And your calling should cause you to walk faithfully in the place that he has you now. Not living in, oh, I wish I could be there. Do what he's called you to do in the now, because what you're doing now is going to equip you for the then. And David had been anointed king, but he was still serving as shepherd. And so when he goes out into the field, actually his father said, says it calls David in out of the field. And he says, okay, I want you to take some cheese and some bread to your brothers out in the front lines. So not only was he a shepherd, not only was he a, a gifted uh, musician, he was also driving for Grubhub. And so... His father says, take this to your brothers. Is, uh, and, and David is dressed as David, dressed as a shepherd. He goes and he, he doesn't go, Dad, or at least we have no record of that. Dad, I don't, I'm really busy here. Let me finish this game. Um, but he goes to the front line. And when he gets to the front line, it says he goes and he sees his brothers. Actually, it says that he goes and he salutes his brothers. He loves his brothers. He, little brothers always love their older brothers, even if the older brother's beating them up, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Little brothers, he goes and he's, he's respectful. That's who David is. But he goes and he looks and he sees his brothers and the armies of Israel on one side, the Philistine army on the other side, and there's this big guy coming down into the valley every day to yell at the armies of God, shouting from the valley of Elah. And I I kind of put this together going, this would be the equivalent of the New England Patriots. Hey, they won the Super Bowl. I don't know anything about them. I just know that they won. (laughs) But it would be the equivalent of them being lined up on the hill with a history of victory. Are you snorting at me? (laughs) No respect. And and it would be like them facing the Coalfield Yellow Jackets. Exactly. 
And instead of all of these mighty men of valor, for 40 days they've been doing this. They've been lining up on this mountain, and this little guy from the Coalfield Yellow Jackets has come down into the valley and made fun of their God and said, you're not anything. So they, this was, they're on their like 40th day. And David comes out and he goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is challenging the armies of the living God? It's like he is incredulous walking out there and going, what is this about? What is this? That's the equivalent of the New England Patriots water boy coming out and going, what are you doing? But sometimes it takes a water boy, you know? And so he goes, why are you letting them challenge it? Why are you letting them challenge the armies of the living God? And, and then that's where that picks up. He says, people heard what they were saying. In fact, his brothers heard what he was saying. And they, and they came, Eliab comes and goes, what are you even doing? And, and David goes, well, what have I done now? You can tell they have a very close relationship. And um, he says, well, what have I done now? And he goes, you just need to go on back to where you came from. Don't you know, anytime you start to face a giant, the enemy's going to tell you you need to just go back to where you came from. You have no business being here. But see, somebody heard that and, and they went and reported to Saul. And Saul says, go get him and bring him here. And so they go and get David and they take him to Saul. But, and there's so much about this that just kind of boggles my mind because number one, Saul had gone back and forth, or, or David had gone back and forth into the, the courts of the king because Scripture says that when Samuel poured the oil over David and anointed David as king, it says the Spirit of God left Saul. And so when David was anointed, the Spirit of God left Saul, and, and the spirit, it says an evil spirit sent from God goes to Saul and begins to torment him because of acts of disobedience that Saul had had. And Saul's people say, well, let us call for someone skilled, a musician to come and play for you. So that, And there's this kid, he's the son of Jesse, and he can play skillfully. And when he plays for you, he'll bring you peace. And so David was going back and forth to play for Saul. But nowhere in this passage, when they bring David before Saul for saying, I'll go and fight this giant, nowhere does it say he, he even recognized David. Do you know sometimes you can be serving and serving with all of your heart and ministering and bringing things to the body of Christ and you might not even get noticed? Does that mean your anointing is any less? No, no. He was serving faithfully without the recognition of going, oh, this is this famous artist that has come and played for me and allowed me to rest at night. No, he went, oh, you, you can't go fight that giant. David says, I will go and I will fight him. And like all of us, the enemy, when we decide to take a stand against a, the enemy who's been shouting at us, and you know what? Some of us need to make a declaration. Some of us need to look at that giant that's been yelling at us from the Valley of Elah for most of our lives, or much of it, telling us what we can't do. Some of us need to go and make a declaration and go, I will go and I will fight him. I will fight him because some of us, I, I was thinking, Lord, how do we know which one this is? What does this giant look like? Well, let me tell you what it looks like. It's the one that you went to bed last night thinking, God, tomorrow it'll be different. 
Tomorrow, okay, God, I'm not going to do this again tomorrow. Okay, God, I know I did this today. Tomorrow, I'm not going to smoke that. Tomorrow, I'm not going to drink that. Tomorrow, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be bound by that again. And you go to bed at night with this determination in your spirit that you are not going to bow again. And you wake up the next morning and you're right back in the middle of it. Why? Because somebody said, you can't do that. Man, you've been doing that your whole life. You're going to need professional help for that. And God is all all the while going, I can set you free. I can set you free. And some of us need to make a declaration and go, God, I'm going into this battle. But understand that when you do that, the same thing happens that went with David when he said, I'll go and I'll fight this giant. What's the first thing Saul says? He says, you can't do this thing. You are too small and you don't have enough experience. And not only that, not only does the enemy like to play on your insecurities and tell you what you can't do, then he comes and tells you everything that the other person can do. Oh, their anointing is so much greater than yours. They can do that so much better. He says, this guy's been fighting since before you were born. All I hear in that is he's old and tired. He's been doing it. It's all in your perspective, and, and, and I love, and this should be our response. The response that, that David had, the very first thing he did was he called on covenant. He called on covenant. The word says in 2 Peter 1.3, says, God has, through his divine power, God has given you everything, everything you need pertaining to life and godliness through your knowledge of him. So if I say, what has God given you? What should be your response? Everything you need. Everything you need. Now, what Mike needs is not what Paula needs. And what Paula needs is not what Marcia needs. God knows what each individual person needs. And he has given Mike absolutely everything he needs. He has given Paula absolutely everything she needs. God has given you what you need to fight. And that's part of the covenant that we have with him. So when David said, this, why is this uncircumcised Philistine coming against the armies of the living God? What he was saying was, this God doesn't even have a covenant. This God doesn't even belong to God because the first outward sign of the covenant with God was circumcision. And so by saying that, he's going, you're going to let some uncircumcised Philistine, someone with no affiliation to God whatsoever, ridicule your God and tell you you can't do something and immobilize you. And, and some of us are going, oh, well, there's no way that could happen. But some of us, we've been doing it our whole life. You are a covenant dweller. You are a child of God. And we, we get these access to these things that we need through what? Through our knowledge of Him. The more you know about Him, the stronger you become. And see, that's the thing. That, and so Saul says, you can't, you can't take him on. He's, he's much more gifted than you are. He's, he's a battle warrior. And what does David do? David does exactly what you need to do. He begins to testify. Sometimes when the enemy comes against you to tell you everything you can't do, you need to remind him of all of the things that you can do because of God in you. And see, it's not how great you are. David doesn't go, I am amazing. David goes, the same God who delivered me out of the bear of the, the paw of the bear and the mouth of the lion, that same God is going to deliver this Philistine into my hands. Some of you have forgotten your testimony. Some of us have forgotten what God has done for us. And so when we enter a battle, we enter it in our own strength instead of the strength of God. 
You need to write down. I, I was telling first service, if I could charge you to do anything, start writing down your testimony. Start writing down the things that God has done for you. In the Old Testament, they called it a book of remembrance. And they would go and they would find the good things that had been done. And they would go back and refer to those. Some of us need to strengthen our testimony by recalling it. Amen. So that's what David does. And so strong was his testimony, so passionate. That's one of the things I love about teenagers is they have so much passion and the world hasn't worn them out yet. And David had to be so passionate. He's going, I can do this thing. I love that. I love that. And then so passionate was it that Saul finally says, okay, all right, go and God be with you. And then he does something. He, he, he does something that seems right to Saul. Sometimes people want to help you and they will do what seems right to them. And it's the last thing you need. And so he goes and he, he puts his armor on to David. And I think about this because now the word tells us that Saul was very tall and very handsome. And that was one of the reasons that the people wanted him as king. Don't you know we choose leaders for the wrong reasons? We should choose based on the leading of the Holy Spirit, but I'm not getting into that. But even, even amongst ourselves, we choose people to lead that we think are leaders. And just like Samuel said, nope, the Spirit of God did not quit looking on outward appearances. The Spirit of God isn't on Eliab. Go get me the boy in the field. Some of you are the boy in the field wishing you were Eliab, but the anointing's coming to you. Anyway... Speed talking 101. I get excited about the word. I get excited about what he's doing. So he puts his, his armor onto David, and David can't even move in it. Sometimes people want us to wear things that we're not equipped to wear. You know, they want to put something on us, tell us we're something that we're not. You know, it struck me. I thought, you know, in, in, in the initial perusal of that passage of scripture, I thought, how kind of Saul that he would take his own armor and put it on David, that he would take this and it says he put his bronze helmet on him and everything. And, and I, I think about that and I think, did, did Saul do that because he wanted to help David? Or did Saul do that because he wanted the people further down the lines to think it was him addressing the giant? And I think sometimes leaders create mini-me's instead of disciples of Christ. And we need to make sure the people we follow are following Christ. That, and that's one of the things I love about Pastor Ronnie. It's like he is always pointing to Jesus. This is where you go. It's don't follow me, follow him. We're supposed to be following Christ. And if we don't have that in us, we will follow a man. We will follow a person. But David says, I can't wear these. They don't fit me. They don't fit me. One of the translations says, I can't wear this. I haven't tested these. I haven't tested these. Oh my goodness, there's a million different places to go here. But how many times do we fight with other people's weapons? And they don't work and we blame God. And it's because we're not wearing the armor we were intended to wear. And I love that David is strong enough not to pretend to be king for a day. He could have put on all the regalia. He could have looked really good there for a whole day and he could have played king. But David was not intended to be king for a day. He was intended to be anointed king that we would be talking about 2,000 years ago and up to today. 
That's the king that he was. And the fact that he knew that in the face of the temptation to put on all the garb, to to do everything that they were doing, he was bold enough. He knew his calling. He was assured well enough in his calling to go, no, that's not me. And that's my prayer, man, for each and every one of us to go, you're not supposed to be like the person sitting next to you. Your gifts are not their gifts. What they're good at, you're not supposed to be good at. One of the things I do not believe God would ever say is, man, I wish I had a thousand more just like him. Because he created each and every one of you with individual gifts, with individual callings and abilities and anointings. And if you will operate in those, if you will become comfortable in the garments that God has given you, there will be no lack in the body of Christ. Every gap will be filled. Everything will be taken care of if you will do what God called you to do instead of trying to be somebody that you're not. David had that assurance. When Katie was little, one of her favorite things to do was to dress up. And I know all of your kids are the same way, many of them. And, but her favorite thing was to dress up as a princess. And amazingly, during these times, much of my makeup would disappear from my drawers and uh, would miraculously appear on Katie's face. And, and her favorite thing was red lipstick. And she would dance around in her little uh, tutu with her tiara and her scepter. And she would be like, you know, princess for the day and everything. And the whole while I'm looking at this child and going, oh, baby, the princess is underneath all of the garbage. This is just stuff. This is just stuff. And, And it was inevitable. Every single time I would have to go at the end of the day, baby, Mommy misses your face. We're going to get rid of this stuff. And inevitably, she would pitch a fit. (laughs) Because, see, we don't like to wash off all of the junk. We don't like to be barefaced before anybody. And I would wash this face as it cried. You know, I would lovingly wash this face. And then when it was all gone, it would be a little tear-streaked and a little red And everything in me would go, there she is. There she is. And see, God wants that for some of you. Some of us have been wearing Saul's armor for too long. Do you understand that if if David had worn it long enough, he could have become accustomed to it? And some of us wear it for so long that we become accustomed to it. Some of us have been wearing the masks and wearing the makeup and wearing Saul's armor and other people's anointings and trying to be like them for so long that we don't even know who we are anymore. And I, and I just believe with all of my heart when, when God was looking down at, at David standing there in all of Saul's armor, as fancy as it was, I believe God was peering over waiting for the face of the shepherd. And when David began to peel that off and set it aside, and when he, it says, oh, I love this about him. It's, he had a king's anointing, a musician's anointing, but the thing that David goes back to is a shepherd's anointing. Why? Because that's what he knew worked. That had been with him. And it says he took up the shepherd's staff. He laid down the king's uh, helmet, the king's armor. He took up a shepherd's staff and he took up the shepherd's bag. And it says he ran It said he ran. Okay, he picked up the stones. But then it says he ran, and he ran toward Goliath. He ran toward the thing that everybody else had been backing up against for 40 days. 
And he, they backed up and, and David went, oh no. And I love this. It says that he, he got the stones, it said, and he ran toward Goliath, Goliath. Reaching into his bag, he took a stone and he flung it. It doesn't even say he broke stride. It doesn't say he stopped and he picked the best one. And the thing about this one is too, I don't believe for a moment, I've heard people teach, well, David flung the stone and God grabbed it midair and implanted it in Goliath's head. No, you know what I believe? God trained David in the fields, doing what David was called to do day after day after day, fighting when he didn't feel like fighting, protecting when he didn't feel like protecting, wanting to be king when he was still a shepherd, but functioning in excellence in what he had been called to do for that season. So when the time came for him to charge the valley, he was fully equipped, and I believe David flung it. That blows me away. Can you even imagine God at that moment as David's running with the, the, the armor behind him, his staff and his sling and his bag, and he's going, there he is. That's the one. Don't you know he looks at you and goes, there she is. That's the one. That's the giant killer. That's the one that's going to take this down. And here's the wonderful thing. It wasn't for David's sake. David didn't fight him because he made him mad. He did it because of the body of Christ. He did it because of the children of Israel and for the name of Christ. Man, you, when you begin to fight for those things, when you begin to draw on covenant and wield your testimony and walk in the anointings that God has given you, do you know it's not only your breakthrough that's coming, it's everybody else's? Because when he charged the valley and when he took the head off of Goliath, what happens? All of the armies went. All of the armies went, what? What? Okay, we can do this. <laughs> and they charged the valley and they took the Philistines. You don't know what walking in your anointing and your calling can cut loose in the middle of the body of Christ. You have no idea. No idea. We are called to wear the armor that God has given us. And you can't do it if you don't know what it is. You have to get to know what God has called you to do and begin to walk in those things. If I could get musicians out here. Some of these musicians, maybe shepherds and kings, we don't know yet. Which calling today they're going to function in this. If David hadn't known what he was called to do, do you think he might have worn... Saul's armor. You think he might have got caught up in it? Because it felt right or it seemed right? I can play a little bit. Before my mom passed, for those that don't know, my mom pastored a church in East Tennessee for as long as I've been alive. And before she passed, she called me and asked me to come up to East Tennessee and we went out to dinner and I sat across the table from her and she said Barbie I gotta ask you one more time will you take the church if something happens to me will you take the church and everything in my flesh thought well I guess that's what I'm expected to do 
I knew that it was what she wanted and it wasn't a bad thing for her to want it. And she said, I just, I just need to know. Will you take it? And I said, Mama, I can't. I said, I can't do that. That's not what I'm called to do because I knew what God had called me to do. I knew that God had called me here and he hadn't released me from that and that hadn't changed. And so I had to go, I can't do it. And it hurt like crazy to do that. It hurt to disappoint her. It hurt the people in the congregation who thought that I would have been the next one. But you know what? Just because man thinks something is right doesn't mean that that's what God has for you. You've got to know. You've got to know what God has called you to do. And I am so fulfilled in doing what God has called me to do here. That was not my field. That wasn't what God called me to. He called me here. I want you to be assured of your calling. I want you to know what God has called you to do so that you don't step into a field you were never intended to be a part of. After mom passed, a very well-meaning friend called my sister and got a picture of my mom's shoes. My mom had these shoes that she ministered in all the time. And my friend commissioned a picture to be a drawing of my mother's shoes and she brought them to me actually backstage one day after I had taught and when she handed them to me I know she intended it to be a sweet gift but all I could see is Lord was was I supposed to feel those was I supposed to do this and and God just reassured me over and over and the, 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 the way that he assured me was to go you were never designed to fight in Saul's armor you weren't called to do this And I rushed home and I hid that painting in my closet (laughs) because I so appreciated the heart that would go, you should do this. But I appreciate more the assurance that I know what God has called me to do and I can't be anybody but me. You can't be anybody but you. And if I could pray one thing over you, it was that it would be that you could go fresh-faced with no boundaries, nothing obscuring your message from God. Just be you. You are enough. God in you, His anointing is enough. Amen? Amen. Stand up and let's allow those who are going to minister the elements to come forward. Father God, I thank you so much for your word and I thank you for the freedom that's in this house, God. I thank you that we have a covenant with a God who has given us everything we need. Everything we need. Now, Father, I ask that you unfold that in the lives of your people. Let them know what you've called them to do. Give them the strength to do it faithfully.